This is the Scott Bradley Show podcast. Bring in Don Robertson from the Dundas Real McCoys, Com Choice Realty, Dundas resident, Dundas man about town. What else do you What else do you have on your business card? Ah, uh, know it all. Know it well. That we yes, that is definitely true. But that's why we have you here. <laughs> if you were a know it nothing, well, you'd still be here. But. Um, we get a lot more calls yelling at you. There'd be a lot of people supporting the know nothing concept. Did you watch football this weekend? I did, oddly enough. One I, or both? I watched parts of both. And? Uh, I think Laval would be one of, one of the playoff teams in the CFL. They, I don't know where they get those linemen. They bring them down from northern Quebec, I think. And find them. I think they find them pulling great big trees out of the ground by the roots rather than cutting them down. They've been doing that for they all, years. They all own their own blue ox, and they're all <laughs> and they're all overage compared to a lot. I don't know this. Well, year's. no, the rules the rules have actually changed. With that it used to be it used to be that that was the case. You'd have some guys who are twenty six and twenty seven now in what was CIS, what's now U Sports. You have to be twenty five or less. So the advantage that way, because a lot of the Quebec guys go. People don't necessarily understand why the Quebec teams are often so good. After high school, after grade 12, they go to CJEP, which is a year or two of like a junior college almost, before then going. So when they're starting university, they're often two years older than the guys here are starting. Well, some of our, our guys start at 18 now. And right? so a and lot of them... they're done when they're 22. Right, so. and a lot of them there were starting at 22, 23... Well, 21, 22 in there. Anyway, they would be sometimes up to 27 years old. That doesn't exist anymore. But they still, what you do have in Quebec is that you have two schools. You have an intermediate step then. Yes, but you also have two universities that really matter in football. So if you, are, if you live in Quebec and you're a football player, you're either going to Laval or you're going to Montreal if you're any good. Yep. Here, there are now McMaster, Western, Laurier, Carlton, who am I forgetting? There's at least one other uh, good... Did you, did you say Western? I said Western. Guelph, who, who, that won the Yates Cup last year. So there's lots of choices in Ontario, which spreads the sure. spreads thins, the talent out. Thins it out a bit. And if you were it's, to have the same situation, if you were literally in Ontario to say, everybody from Ontario who plays high school football who is a star will either go to Mac or Western, and every what you would end up with is a situation... Very much like you have with Laval. They've won nine out of ten Vanier Cups. They've been in existence, I think, was it 21 years or 27 years? Uh, Not long. And they've got nine Vanier Cups. You get paid to know these things. So is Laval program not privately owned? It is. It's it's run privately. It's the... So they run it like a business? Absolutely. And there are some... But there are schools in Ontario that are now taking up that. Carleton does the same. Guelph is largely doing the same. So other schools are latching on to that, but none of them are as big. So you can try doing it, but you've still got to match. You can, you can, you can imitate the model, but that doesn't mean you're going to have the same amount of dough coming in. But They've you, got huge money coming in. Yeah, if, you've, if you get the right alumnus from a university, if Mac decided they wanted, wanted a privately run program, and you got some particularly well-heeled individuals to operate it, where funding wasn't an issue. I am sure the brown bag theory on compensation could be 
in full mode and your program would improve exponentially the first 15 minutes you started it. Now, I don't think there's – it's always hard to prove when guys are breaking the rules regarding uh, payment of players because, first of all, the player's never going to say anything because it's not in his best interest to, you know, uh, cough up a furball and lose all that dough, and the owner's going to deny it. And so those things are really hard to um, – Prove. Well, you've got. Uh, but for, when somebody wins as consistently as Laval does all the time, you got to go, well, you know what? Why doesn't Montreal ever win? I no, mean, they, they, well, Montreal has won. Yep. Montreal beat McMaster in 2014, and they, it's, it's, it doesn't have as deep a program, as deep roots now in Quebec. Laval is still. Danny Machocha, who's the head coach and the guy who runs the Montreal program. Everybody or most people in football know him. He was the Edmonton Eskimos coach, and he is a guy with a big name, and he's built very quickly because Montreal was not very good not that long ago. He's built it very quickly, but Laval still is the gold standard. If you still are a star football player in Quebec, you're probably still going to go to Laval if that option is open to you. Isn't Laval the city where the mayor's in jail for taking bribes? Yeah, but that's or got nothing. To, charge. But that's got nothing to do with the football team. The football team. I, I mean, I don't believe the football. Has a lot to do with the lifestyle in Quebec. I, I don't believe the football team team is in any way corrupt. I think they just simply have built this scenario, built this you system. Don't think you don't. You don't think they they help uh, their players beyond the normal scope of uh, buying books or whatever's within the limit. I have. N- I have no evidence that I've never seen any evidence of anything like that. Okay. What I think they have is they have an unbelievably deep organization. They have tons of money. They every March they take the whole shooting match down for spring training or for training camp in Florida, which is which is great. You're a university student. You're going to get March break in Florida paid for by the school, and you're going to have a chance to win every year. Um, you know, again, I think if you were to look at almost any province, any populous province, Ontario, BC, and you were to say, there's only two schools that you're going to go to if you're a football star, you're going to have two really good football yeah, teams. For and for the longest time, before Danny Machocha took over in Montreal, there was only one. Every great football player coming out of high school went to Lower- to Laval. Even if they couldn't get into any other university because of their marks, they could probably get into Laval. I, I don't know that part. I'm not trying to... I'm no, no, I don't know that devil's part. devil's advocate. I don't also. know that part, but let's put it this way. Anybody who could get into school and was a football player found their way to Laval for the longest time, and which which Laval has won nine of the ten times they're in the Vanier Cup. That is what makes the 2011 yeah. win by McMaster so remarkable, that they were still playing under the old rules with older guys, and Mac beat them. And... You know, you, you, you think back now those years and you think, man, that was that was a pretty remarkable achievement that the McMaster Marauders pulled off that year in BC. But back to this weekend for a minute, because you're right, Laval, um, I thought Laval was going to beat Calgary by 25. I think I said it on Scott Thompson's show. I was clearly wrong. In fact, Calgary could have very easily won that game. They were leading when I was watching. Well, and they had the ball, the 23-yard line, or 20-yard line with 23 seconds left, something like that. They They could have won that game. And in the Grey Cup, I mean, jeez, nobody thought Ottawa had a chance. I didn't think Ottawa had a chance. And this is well, the it's because you were listening to the experts. Well, that's the, like listening to the pollsters. No, it's CNN. not the experts. It's the fact that one team was under five hundred and one team was fifteen and two and one. They, I mean, one team was had had a season for the ages 
with all the award winners, the best player in the league, and the other team, you know what? This is why we love sports. And I said this before. It's very cliche, but this is why you love sports. Because on any any given Sunday, I think they made a uh, a really bad movie with, uh, uh, who, oh, who was the coach? Um, uh, from Godfather, Al Pacino was the coach in any given Sunday, wasn't he? Yes. I think I he was. You're correct. Never, uh, never could figure out Al Pacino as a football coach. But, but you know what, what? What is shocking about this to me? And I just saw this as I was coming in today. This is uh, from Drew Edwards from The Spectator. Grey Cup TV ratings. What do you think they did this year compared to last year? I would say they probably did about three and a half million down, down from a few years ago when you were getting four and a half, almost five million. Yeah, they were down 12% from last year. So they had, the, the, the CFL numbers had started to creep back up. They had two years of losing TV numbers, and they started to creep back up this year. But a 12% drop in your Grey Cup numbers, that's not a good sign, especially when this was such a great ad for your product. This was a great ad for your product. If people who were even marginal fans tuned in to watch this game, you'd go, that's great. I, I would love to watch that again. But you had 12%. Now, well, they, go ahead. If you listen to or watch TSN uh, for all the pregame for two days, they basically said, this thing's over. You don't have to watch. Pick up the highlights at 11. They probably hurt their own ratings Perhaps. by being the experts. Perhaps. And I don't think it helped with all the stuff going on that I don't blame the media. I don't blame the media at all. And people say, well, the media was negative. The media was reflecting the fact that it was a bad sell in Toronto. It was really hard to sell tickets. They they weren't able to move tickets. There was very little interest. That was reflected. And so when you combine what you just said, which is correct, I, I think you're right, with all the bad news that had come out all for weeks, weeks and weeks and weeks, that the Grey Cup was going to be a flop. So you don't think that if you were going to order a, a two large pizzas... And oh, you only wings. needed one. Was it only one I think large? It was only pizza? one large, and pizza, you got yeah. two. I th- geez. Maybe it was two. I don't. They know. They should have made it two. If you're gonna if you're gonna get one hundred and eighty dollars worth of Grey Cup tickets, you should have to buy two pizzas. I mean, that's not good. That happened last time in Hamilton. Yeah, with Tim's. Yep. When uh, when when Tim Hortons helped distribute the tickets, uh, just to fill the place. You know what? And the, the place was full yesterday, and it looked like a lot of fun. And I think I think that's important, but I. Again, there's a lot of uh, contributing factors that brought the ratings down. The There didn't seem to be any local interest, pardon me, to buy tickets. That kind of uh, that kind of media doesn't help you, that they can't sell the game out. No, not locally. And, you know, the, fun, the funniest part to me of this whole thing with the ticket problems was after the Ticats were eliminated in the playoff game, there were people who were saying the CFL, there's a conspiracy. Because remember, there was the bad call that they had the apology for. There's a conspiracy against Hamilton. They don't want Hamilton to win. They don't want Hamilton to stay in the playoffs. Oh, crap. And I'm thinking to myself, wait, love a, that, Hamilton. Wait, yeah, wait a second. You've got a Grey Cup game an hour down the road that you can't sell tickets for. What would be the one thing that would fill that place in a second? The Ticats being in the Grey Cup would have suddenly, it wouldn't have just filled it. You would have now actually had a secondary market. You would have had markups on tickets. Value of tickets would have gone. Don't tell me the CFL was conspiring to keep the Ticats out. The CFL would have been conspiring to get the Ticats in if they could, if there was a conspiracy, if the, if the fix was in. That's how you fill the Grey Cup. So the Ticats go out. That doesn't help because now 
the Ticat fans are only moderately interested as as far as they're interested in the well, Grey Cup they, game. And they, they won't go because they hate Ottawa. I mean, some people would go be, if the Argos were in because they hate them, so they go to cheer against them. Nobody dislikes Ottawa. They haven't been around long enough. Do you think Ticat fans were excited that Henry Burris won a Grey Cup? Do you think that Ticat fans cared? See, I, I, I don't think Ticat fans were bent out of shape about it, but I don't think that they were thrilled. I, don't, I just think that it was a it was an agnostic feeling. It's like, okay, he won. I don't, I'm not angry. I don't, I, I don't, I don't think they had any emotional investment in, in not much. one I don't way think or the so. other. I mean, there'd be, I mean, a guy like that can be engaging, so he would have his following here in Hamilton, but it would be a small group. Well, Henry Burris, it's easy to forget now because Henry Burris has in recent weeks and months made a lot of fuss about how he was dumped by the Ticats. That's been a real motivator for him that he was pushed out. He was playing Calgary. But he didn't he didn't leave here as really being dumped. They got Zach Caleros. And by any any GM in the league, if you got Zach Caleros, who's about 15 years younger and cheaper, you would have taken Zach Caleros. And quite frankly, if Zach Caleros hadn't been injured a couple times, the Ticats may have won a great cup by now, maybe two. So, you know, Henry Burris, it's funny because he didn't leave here as the bad guy. He didn't leave here as the black hat, as the yeah, villain. Yeah, that's what he does, though. If no, you, I know. If I you know. listen to him, he's mad at everybody that doesn't love him. Exactly. And so, but, but but the point is, I don't think the fans here were rooting against him. I don't think the fans here were on the edge of their seat saying, I hope Henry wins because he was a former Ticat. Yeah. What I did notice, Don, is as I was watching the celebration yesterday, how many Hamilton Tiger Cat cast-offs there were on that Ottawa team from the general manager on down. There's a lot of former Hamilton Ticats on that team, it seems. And, you know, that doesn't, there's probably, you know, it, it probably doesn't mean all that much. It's a small league. If I looked around at all the teams, there's probably a lot of Hamilton Tiger Cat cast-offs on a lot of the teams because guys leave and they go, they have to sign somewhere. Well, so, and Ticats have got a lot of guys that put elsewhere, too. That's right. So, it's, um, it's interesting. I, I'm, the TV ratings, if those are accurate, are going to be very disappointing to the CFL because you had one of your better games ever, one of your better Grey Cup games ever. A lot of people are saying this one now in modern Grey Cup lore goes up there with the 1989 game that was between uh, Kent Austin, who was playing for Saskatchewan as quarterback, and uh, Kerrigan at then Skydome, the game with the Tony Champion catch in the end zone where he was flipping over backwards and it was... And they're saying that this one and that one are... Now, I still put that one ahead, I'll be honest. And not just because it was the Ticats. I still think that game was the Grey Cup game of all time in my lifetime. Happened right in front of me. I was in Windows Restaurant. With, Is that right? Uh, with the Vice President Molson. It was very cool. I, I think... Great catch. Oh, the, well, there were so many plays in that game, though. There were so, I mean, that, that Tony Champion catch. We think we talked about this last week. He was on broken ribs when he yeah. caught it, and he landed on his ribs. He almost felt like he was... I remember him telling me years later that he thought he was going to pierce his heart with a rib because it was he was in so much pain, but he held on. It was a spectacular catch. But I still put that game as number one, but a lot of people are saying this game would be right up there. This game might be number 1A as far as Grey Cup games, and if that many people weren't watching it, because you were hoping, if you're the CFL, you're hoping that... You're going to get five million out of this, six million maybe. You know, as people call each other in the fourth quarter, hey Don, have you got the game on? It's a great. That's 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 what happens in Jays games when you're getting into the seventh, eighth inning when there's a, a something I, happening. People call each other and the numbers go up. Ratings are hard to figure out. I mean, I watched it on and off. I mean, we had some people over for dinner and it was it was on, 
but they didn't call my house. And I was watching, so you can add me to it. And the other three people that were there, so their numbers are skewed a bit. Perhaps. But it's, it was if those numbers are close to correct, that's, that's going to be disappointing for the league because they had a great product to sell. And you want lots of people to see it when it's great, and you want the ratings to be way down when you pitch a stinker. Yeah, I mean, and, traditionally the Grey Cup game is always a better game than the Super Bowl. I mean, that's been the long-standing story. And yeah, for lately, the most part, in, in recent years, it's changed a little bit. The has, Super Bowl has been very good lately. Ever since, and you never know. Well, interestingly enough, ever since the the NFL started playing a lot more like the CFL and having their quarterbacks throw forty passes a game and run around in the pocket and. Amazingly, that game has become more interesting. Shocker, but it's working. So people like offense. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Don, uh, tonight in Calgary, actually, I don't know if it's in Calgary. Tonight, Calgary is uh, playing the New York Islanders. I can't tell you actually where it is. I'll look it up as we're chatting here. Uh, Mark Jankowski, Dundas kid, drafted a few years ago by the Calgary Flames. When he was drafted, it was a big shock because he went in the first round, I think 22nd overall. It was way before a lot of people thought that he was going to go, but he was he was taken at that time. And he went to Providence College, and he's it's taken him a little while to, to get there, but he's making his NHL debut tonight. And when you look around the NHL these days and just... and, and, and professional leagues in general, the AHL and other leagues, there are suddenly an awful lot of Hamilton area guys who are not just playing, but playing pretty well in this league. And we didn't used to see that. Not that long ago, it was rare to see a Hamilton guy in there. If you had one or two in the entire league, it was a good year. Last year, I think there were 13 or 14 that played in the league. In the National Hockey League? Played at least a game in the National Hockey League. What's going on? What are we doing differently all of a sudden around here, if anything. I just think the other areas aren't making any good hockey players anymore. Because that wasn't the answer you were looking for. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think it goes in cycles. I mean, how do you explain why so many NHL players come out of Thunder Bay for a certain period of time? And it's a pretty small community. Back um, when I was refereeing, then. Brantford had an, an inordinate amount of guys playing in the National Hockey League. Yep. You know, Doug Jarvis, Wayne Gretzky, um, Chris Greg Gratton, Steffen, Chris Gratton. Rick Walmsley. Yeah, Simcoe. Close. Yep. Well, Throw them in. Rolison, Dwayne Rolison came from Simcoe. And uh, who was the little uh, Nelson Emerson? Nelson Emerson, yep. You go back as far as say Stan Jonathan, but that's in this, you know, that's that's 80s. Um so it, it, there's always a cycle in it, and you always wonder why. And I think, actually, if you look at the population base and you kind of incorporate Caledonia and the greater Hamilton area, uh, we've likely been below average per capita. Absol- absolutely we have. And I think it's not – we don't have an inordinate amount of them now. I think we have our fair share. And it might be the minor hockey program. It might be the fact that the Bulldogs program has become a more premier program and AAA. I mean, that kind of thing has changed a fair amount. I mean, I remember the day when Hamilton struggled and, and, and had to have real good teams to be able to compete on the provincial level because of the way minor hockey was structured, and that matters around here. You know, you, there was all kinds of minor hockey associations years ago in Hamilton, and now you get a couple of elite programs that really 
bode well for the development. You did a story on the uh, midgets, the minor midgets, um, bulldogs who will get a whole whack of guys. But, you know, 15, 20 years ago, it wasn't as streamlined as it is, as it is now. And those AAA teams weren't playing against the best competition. So I think, you know, the better you play against, the better you are. And so it's I think it's really probably helped since the bringing in of the OHF, if you will, which is a governing body that takes in the OHA, which we play in, and uh, have said, you know what, we want premier centers rather than a whole bunch of B centers. So I think that all factors in, but I think we're just catching up because I think we're way behind. Uh, for the record, Jankowski is playing in New York tonight in the island, or it's not an island, it's in Brooklyn now. I was going to say on the island. It's no longer on the island. In Brooklyn. And if you happen to be flipping around, he's wearing number 77 for Calgary this evening. So, And he'll play against the Toronto Maple Leafs, I think, on Wednesday. Is that when they play? Uh, uh, the Leafs are in uh, Edmonton on Tuesday, and I think Calgary on Wednesday. If that is the case. That's just me... a wild guess. Yeah, no, keep talking. Well, <laughs> chat among yourself. That'll be... Uh, well, I'm not making any sense, but I am trying Toronto to kill some Toronto plays Edmonton, and then, yes, Toronto plays Calgary, but I don't know where that one is. What's in Calgary? Because they're in, Toronto, they're in Edmonton. Right. That's there right. Um, That's without a but computer. It, yeah, but I mean, and again, this is one of those. This is one of those stories. Jankowski is a great story that a guy who was not expected to be drafted where he was and has worked his way up. And he was he was the guy who went to a prep school in Quebec. Went to he, Stansted he was drafted College. out of a prep school. out of a prep school. Yeah, he was drafted out of high school out of Stansted College in Quebec. And uh, I only know that because my dad went there years and years ago. Um, otherwise, I would never have remembered the name of that place. But it was it was a. It's a great story that he's actually making it. But I can think back to when I started at The Spectator writing sports 12, 13, 14 years ago, coming up with a guy who was in the league. It was Dave Andrichuk. Rick Natras. Rick Natras, although that Rick would have been just at the end of his career, if not past. But the, but the point is, there were not a lot of guys. And now you start going through and you go, okay, Cam Talbot is now... A star goal, and and Andrew Chuck was a star. People in Caledonia might want to claim him, but no, I understand but what you're saying. He, Greater Hamilton, he lives in Ancaster now. Uh, yeah. But the fact is that w- we had players, and Dave Andrew was a star player. Certainly, you look at his stats, you look at what he did. He was a star player. Rick Natras was a very good NHL defenseman. I don't think anyone was going to say he was a star, but he was able. No, but I mean, he was able. He won to, a Stanley Cup. He won a Stanley Cup, and he was a very good player. And nobody's he, named a rink after him. No, yeah, um, we'll see. There you get busy at that. Um, I won't start to know that whole thing. But but now you have star players, too. You but, do have star players now. As I said, Cam Talbot right now is one of the... Yeah, he's a star. He is one of the handful of best goalies in the National Hockey League. I mean, you're talking now in the top... Would you put him in the top five right now? I don't know that you could put him far out of the top five at this point in the season. It's not bad. Um, you've got the, the Carey brothers... Yep. Who, uh, who are just on the fringe of getting in. Yep. Um, and, and there's and there's a whack of them. I mean, when you think back, you know, when you, you have to hearken back, and I hope some can do it with me, we had Frank Caprice, we had Alan Bester. Oh, once upon a we time. We had uh, Pete Richards. We, I mean, we seem to be a goaltending factory. If you want to count Ken Dryden, he was here for about 12 minutes after he was born until they shuff, shuffled him off. We'll take him well, and, yeah, we'll, and his we'll greatness. We'll count it. <laughs> no, no, but you know what I mean? No, but all of a sudden, Dryden. so... Why why is Hamilton producing all these goaltender or these goalies? And so like I say, it goes in cycles and you can't make any sense of it sometimes. 
But I think my comments earlier about the streamlining of the AAA system and everything else and pl- competing on a, on a provincial um, level to a greater extent has helped. There, de- there definitely has been a benefit to having, in, in much more recent years, having the Hamilton Junior Bulldogs be a really strong program because they're not just finding Hamilton kids. Now you're drawing kids in from Grimsby, from... Surrounding areas. From the surrounding areas yeah. who want to play on this team. And look, See, you've got Brandon Sagan right now who's playing with the Hamilton Bulldogs, who played for the Hamilton Junior Bulldogs, was a Grimsby kid. Before that, there was a kid named Jared Maidens who played Junior Bulldogs and then went to the OHL, played for the Owen Sound team, scored the OHL winning goal in Game 7 overtime for Owen Sound for their first ever OHL championship drafted by the Senators. Now he's out of hockey because of concussions. But you've got this great minor AAA team now that can draw kids in. And because when you build a great team, more people want to come. It's like anything else. I can tell you something that that in in, uh, years gone by, the Junior C programs um, used used to house a lot of these players because there was no elite AAA team that they wanted to go to that was a direct pipeline. So you would play Junior C as a 15-year-old in your hometown, whether it was Flambra, Dundas, Glanbrook. And a lot of the premier players in the area used to go to the GTHL because there wasn't a premier place here for them to develop. And, uh, you know, there was lots of people that were would put 100,000 kilometers a year on their vehicle so their kid could play for the Toronto Marlies or the or the uh, Toronto Red Wings and there's less and less of that now they don't have to they don't feel they have to escape the confines of Hamilton to play at that elite level which I think helps us here immensely the other thing that we are doing now and you won't notice this you won't see this as much because we just don't we don't follow it as closely in this city Hamilton's putting more guys into the NHL and into pro levels of hockey, but the other place we are putting a ton of kids right now is into U.S. colleges on scholarships. We have, and and if you look back over the last number of years, the last, let's say, seven or eight years even, we're not just putting kids into those programs. We're putting kids into those programs who win scoring titles, who are finalists for the Hobie Baker Award. Spencer Abbott was a finalist for Hobie Baker. Greg Carey was a finalist for Hobie Baker. Before him, Dave Brown, who used to play for the Hamilton Red Wings, was a goalie, was a finalist at Notre Dame for the Hobie Baker. You can go through Cam Talbot. our league now. Cam Talbot was playing college hockey down in the States before at University of uh, Alabama, Huntsville. There's a ton of guys that have gone from this city and have gone and starred in U.S. college hockey in the NCAA. So we are we are actually sending kids out to higher levels now, and I, I'm just amazed by it because, it, again, 12, 13, 14, 15 years ago, me. we didn't do this. We had the odd one that would make it through, but we didn't do this. We didn't have this kind of volume, if nothing else, and, hey, and good volume. David Chance playing for, uh, playing for us in Dundas and uh, went up the hard way. But ended up playing the American League, the East Coast League, and was an outstanding goaltender and come up through, again, a better a better system. He he was just, you know, I'm I'm, I'm sure the coaches want to say the coaching's better, but it's it's a lot easier and it to is. coach. I'm sure it is. It's, uh, well, it's, it is, but it's a lot easier to coach good players than it is bad players. It's true too, and there's a lot of for better or for worse. And here's we got to go to break, but for better or for worse. And if you have if you read Terry Pekoski's series in the spec about three weeks ago about the cost of playing hockey. There is no doubt, there is absolutely no doubt that cost is a huge factor in this. 
And so what I'm going to say next is, I don't know that I love this or not, but there's a lot of great hockey programs in the city as well. And kids have an opportunity to have great skating programs and shooting programs. And there's goalie schools and all those things that have popped up in, again, in volume in the past number of years. That has also given some kids, I'll I'll emphasize some kids, an opportunity to become really, really good hockey players. Because it is, it is a costly thing to build a hockey player. Maybe as we go to break, maybe you can remember the kid who popped out of nowhere, who'd never had any exceptional or extra training in the last decade or so and made it to the top. I can't. It's an expensive proposition to build a hockey player now. And we've had a bunch that have come out of here. Their parents have obviously had to spend some money or they've found it through the hard way and worked and found coaching and whatever. I mean, I don't know how much money, I'll be honest, I don't know how much Cam Talbot's family spent on his hockey, but he went the absolute hardest way to get to the NHL. He got cut from the Hamilton Red Wings twice. Finally made it there because their goalie quit. Got a, got a scholarship offer from one NCAA team down in Alabama. Yeah, that that hockey powerhouse. That hockey Well, it actually is not a bad school, but it's in the middle of nowhere. Then gets one contract offer from the Rangers farm team. And everywhere he went, he exceeded expectations, but he may be the except. He is the exception to the rule. Anyway, got to take a break, but it is good. It's great to see Mark Jankowski, by the way, as we speak, uh, in the first period has four minutes and 29 seconds of ice time in his NHL debut. No goals, no assists, but he's also even right now on the score sheet. So no one's scored while he's been on the ice. So if you're not going to score, at least don't let the other side score. That's a good thing for him. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Well, last week, I talked on this show with John McGrain, great uh, soccer legend who lives in this town. We were talking about the TFC Montreal Impact game that was about to be played that night in front of 60,000 people in Montreal. They now have the follow-up game this week in Toronto. It's going to be played at the same place where the Grey Cup was just held at uh, BMO Field. So here's your question for now. Among pro teams in Southern Ontario, rank the following six teams in order of relevance to the population of Southern Ontario. Leafs, Jays, Raptors, Ticats, Argos, TFC. The big six teams that would be in this area, big six pro teams in Southern Ontario, what would be the order that you would put them in from top to bottom? Jays first. Jays ahead of the Leafs now? I would think so right now. I mean, I mean the Leafs haven't made the uh, – you were four years old when the Leafs made the playoffs last. Pretty much. Like they haven't been there a long time. I would put, I would put the uh, I'd put the Jays ahead of the Leafs. That's shocking to me. Yeah, I, it I've, is, and I it, and you know I'm a I'm an old Leaf fan, but I think the Jays have more relevance right now than the Toronto Maple Leafs do. If the Toronto Maple Leafs continue to show any kind of improvement and get into a playoff chase, does that immediately flip? Regardless, Absolutely. regardless, it, if the Jays sign, on a dime, if the Jays sign Clayton Kershaw and four other All Stars, it still doesn't matter if the Leafs doesn't are matter. going to the playoffs. Doesn't matter. All right, the 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 Jays have been very successful recently, and people are entitled to shift their allegiance to them for a time being. If the Leafs ever win the Stanley Cup, they will be king of the castle for a century, even right. if they miss the playoffs. So you've got the uh, Jays, the Jays, the Leafs, Raptors, Ticats, TFC, Argos. I don't disagree at all with the Argos part because I, I do think they are 
at the bottom, but I'll tell you something, and I never thought I would say this, because for how long has TFC even been around for? A decade, give or take? Yeah, probably 10 years. Nobody's cared. I mean, there's, there's no, but been... No, they the, sell a lot of tickets. They sell a lot more tickets than the Argos do. I know, but there's been the hardcore fans who would have gone to TFC, but they were like the old fans for the Chicago Blackhawks in the day when the blackouts were there. You had 18,000 hockey fans in Chicago, and they all went to the games, and no one else cared. And you looked at like TFC kind of like that. That Yeah, they, they put twenty, they put fifteen or sixteen or 20,000 people in their building, but that was the entirety of their fan base, because TV ratings were essentially nil when they would play. So, so riddle me this, Batman. The CFL can draw a quarter of a million fans to watch a Nargo game in Toronto, and they can't get enough people to go to the game to have a game of bridge. That's right. They'll pe- the people will watch so from what home. Is, so fundamentally, what is the difference? So they got a quarter of a million people that care enough about the Argos to watch the game, but no one will actually put a buck down unless you order a pizza to go to the game versus the Toronto FC, who can virtually sell out that s- small stadium. It's the same size as uh, um, Tim Morton's Field. Tim Morton's Field. And now their TV bigger ratings. Now. It's bigger, yeah. Yeah, it's 30,000. But, but they, they can sell that out, but I don't think a lot of people watch it on TV. Tell me what the difference is. I think the biggest difference, honestly, is you know if you are a football fan, there's a game on Friday night. You can always tune to that channel on Friday night, you'll find football. It's easy, it's consistent, it's easy to find. You never know for sure when there's going to be a TFC game. If you knew... If there was a standard time like there is for football, I bet there... But here's the thing. We've got to go to a break. We've got to go to our last break. But I disagree with you on one point. I actually, based on the way things are going and the fact they've improved in the growth of soccer, I put TFC third now. I do. I put them ahead of the Raptors. I think there are more fans of TFC, diehard fans, more people interested than in the Raptors. TV ratings bear that out. Numbers of people going to games bear that out. And the fact of the growth of the game. Basketball's growing. But I, I I think you can make a very good argument right now that TFC is the third team in this region after the Leafs, after the Jays. Raptors may, may have hit the ceiling. They've had they've had pretty consecutive success, so I don't know how big and that the, and no one I don't think thinks they're beating LeBron James anytime soon, which is a problem. The Scott Radley Show weeknights from seven to nine on AM nine hundred AM nine hundred CHML.